0: Of the following program were pre recorded. AM 570. We're going to the Super Bowl! KLAC, KYSR, HD2, Los Angeles. The home of the Rams and Bengals in Super Bowl 56. The proud home of your Los Angeles Dodgers. Welcome to off season Dodger Talk. My
1: ball left field is on its way and I- Grand Slam home
0: run! Hosted by your favorite Dodger insider for this offseason, David Vasse. To be a part of the show, call 866 987 2578 You're a true professional, brother. And subscribe and podcast us wherever you listen to shows. Now, here's David Vasse.
1: We are just two days away from Super Bowl 56 at SoFi Stadium. And you will hear all the coverage and play-by-play right here for your home of Super Bowl 56 on Sunday. We will have pregame coverage beginning at 11 a.m. And that's right, you will hear Rams and Bengals right here on AM570 LA Sports. This is the place you want to be. This is the Rams' house. It's also the Dodgers' house. And we are waiting for Dodger baseball to begin Spring training will not start on time. I think we all know that, despite Rob Manfred not wanting to acknowledge that during his press conference yesterday. We'll get more into the buzz surrounding Manfred's press conference and some of the slanted truths that he uh, perpetuated yesterday. Coming up in our next segment in about 10 minutes, You will hear from Rich Hill and the strong words and criticisms he had of the Commissioner of Baseball for the Commissioner of Baseball coming up at 7.15. Rich joined us on the show uh, last uh, Friday, or was it Monday? Our last show, whenever it was, Rich Hill was on it, and you can hear the full interview on the iHeartRadio app. So you will hear from Rich Hill coming up in 10 minutes on some of the things he had to say regarding this uh, collective bargaining negotiations and uh, what he thinks of Rob Manfred as a leader for the sport. By the way, Rich is no longer a free agent. He signed with the Boston Red Sox before the lockout. Also coming up on the show tonight at the bottom of the hour, We will get into Trevor Bauer. Since the last time we had a Dodger talk, the L.A. District Attorney decided not to press criminal charges against Bauer. So that means there are going to be no criminal charges for sexual assault pressed against Trevor Bauer. And we have a a statement from the L.A. District Attorney, George Gascon, And that was given to our very own Steve Gregory at our sister station, KFI, earlier this week. 866-987-2570 is the phone number. 866-987-2570. If you want to know where I'll be for Super Bowl 56, I will not be in my home just hiding like Petros and Money. They've never been out this much in their entire lives. I will be out at Sherman Oaks at the Pineapple Hill Saloon Bar. That's right, baby. If you're uh, out there, that's where I'll be. If you do a double take and you see a guy taking down some Modellos, yeah, it's really me. So that's where I'll be enjoying uh, my Bovada prop bets. And I did not bet on the ones that Matt was talking about as far as the shoes for Snoop Dogg. I uh, was looking for uh, the anthem time on Bovada but never found it. And what other ones were there that I uh, started to dabble with? I have a few locked in. So just to make the game a little bit more interesting, they also had some squares available. So I'm definitely knee-deep on uh, the Super Bowl prop bets going in. And by the way, uh, not for anything, it's going to be a Rams blowout. The East Coast people that have infiltrated our beautiful city um, – seem to give the Bengals a lot more credit than what they deserve. Their offensive line has no chance against the Rams' defense, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, and the rest of the crew. And let's not forget, the Rams have been sleeping in their own beds, practicing in their own facility, getting treatment in their own facility, for the last two weeks, while the Bengals have had to uh, uproot and head over to UCLA and do their thing there. So that's another advantage for the Rams like it was for the Buccaneers a year ago. We got back-to-back Super Bowls where one of the teams in the Super Bowl is in their home city, and we saw what Tom Brady and the Bucks did last year. And uh, for a lot of different reasons, it's going to be a Rams blowout. I know everybody wants to see a good game. But I just don't see that happening. So enjoy the first half. I feel like it'll be over by then. Eight six six nine eight right, on to baseball. And one of the biggest things that stuck out to me as far as what Rob Manfred had to say before he even started to get into his slanted truths um, when it comes to these negotiations, I thought it was significant that two owners were replaced on the committee that is involved in these type of negotiations. Jerry Reinsdorf, who was a hardline small market guy, the last time baseball had a big-time work stoppage during the 94-95 seasons, his time on the committee ran out, along with Mark Anastasio, who actually lives and works in Los Angeles but owns the Milwaukee Brewers. So, Uh, I'm not going to call Chicago a small market, even though Reinsdorf was crying poor back in 94, Um, but you do have two Midwest um, mid-market and small market owners replaced by two small market owners, and that's Ken Kendrick of the Arizona Diamondbacks. We all know the Diamondbacks' inferiority inferiority complex uh, when it comes to the Dodgers. And John Stanton, the owner for the Mariners. Now, that's important because the more small market voices you have, number one, are the owners going to be able to get on the same page before they even get on the same page with the union? And I was a little surprised when I started to go down the list of which owners are part of this eight-man committee. And Mark Walter of the Dodgers is on this committee. John Henry of the Red Sox is on this committee. Chris Illich of the Tigers is on this committee. John Middleton of Philadelphia and John Sherman of Kansas City are on it as well. Dick Monfort of the Rockies, the Rockies owner, he's on this committee. And from my understanding is very involved in these labor negotiations. And that the reason why I bring it up is the more small market and mid-market owners you have on this eight panel committee, the more they're gonna stomp for revenue sharing and continuing the structure that baseball has right now. And that's something the players want to change. You know, it's great that Rod Manford said yesterday that they plan on uh, going with the lottery draft they plan on eliminating that draft pick compensation for attached to free agents. Universal DH is something both sides want uh, both sides want. And also as far as um, expanding the playoffs, players want that too. So that's not significant concessions when it comes to universal DH and expanded playoffs. Uh, eliminating the free agent compensation attached to players signing with other teams, that's significant. The draft, the lottery draft, I don't really believe that's that significant of a concession. It just makes sense. Now, the biggest thing or one of the biggest things the players are asking for is to bump up the minimum salary for players. And 69% of the players make up the constituency that get paid the minimum amount of salary. And right now, it's $570,000 and some change. The players wanted to go up to $775,000, which would be a 36% increase, while the owners have countered with significantly less, $615,000. So they should be able to meet in the middle year, $700,000 minimum salary for 69% of the players that get moved up and down, that definitely have been emphasized more and veteran experience de-emphasized because of the cost and the groupthink that goes on with all 30 front offices now that are heavily into analytics so basically there is no bidding wars going on because there is a groupthink and everybody basically evaluates players the same way Uh, the difference is resources which brings me To Some of the players that I have spoken to and how they're feeling. Number one, I feel like they should be pushing more if they do want competitive balance. They should be pushing more for a salary floor if the owners are insisting on keeping the luxury tax threshold. Because you have teams like the Oakland A's, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Baltimore Orioles, the Cleveland Indians, the Arizona Diamondbacks of the world. That once a player uh, gets good and is on the verge of free agency, all of a sudden there's a fire sale. Once this lockout is over, it doesn't seem like the Oakland A's have made too much of a secret of the fact they are going to have a fire sale and trade all of their good young players because they're coming up for free agency at the end of this upcoming season. Players like Matt Olson and Matt Chapman, pitchers like Chris Bassett, Frankie Montas, Sean Manaya. If you had a salary floor, this would force some of these teams, these teams that don't reinvest the revenue sharing, to pay their young players and keep these young players with their franchise, which in part would have fans invest more emotionally in some of these players. But my understanding, talking to people, part of the union said, there is no movement as far as trying to push for a salary floor because it's a non-starter, similar to the fact that the players want to eliminate the collective bargaining tax. Now, another part of this negotiations is the pressure on Commissioner Rob Manfred, and I could tell you that if I'm a big market owner, I'm starting to question what the heck are the Royals, the Pittsburgh Pirates of the world, the Oakland A's of the world, what are they doing with the revenue sharing that we are paying you, gifting you, we are just handing things over because that's the system, what are you doing with it, are you just pocketing it for your other businesses, are you trying to pay off debt? Why, as the Dodgers, the Red Sox, the Yankees, and other big market teams, why should I be giving you $70 million, let's say, and your payroll is only $40 million? Does that add up to you? It doesn't add up to me. And that's why I believe there's a sense that if Manfred decides to push the players and lock, lock, keep this lockout going into the season, the players are not going to budge. You could forget about that. If he hold, if the players hold the line and the lockout goes into the season, is he going to rush to make a deal, one, and upset some of the small market owners? Number two, is he going to continue the lockout and upset the big market teams that do have a lot of revenue that they're going to be losing beginning on opening day at the end of March? There is a lot of pressure on Rob Manfred. Make no mistake about it. He's in a tough spot right now, and... For me, I know this will never come out, maybe not until after everything is agreed upon. But I would imagine big market teams are not really that happy with small market teams these days. So this goes back to 94 and 95, where owners, big market versus small market, couldn't get on the same page. So if they couldn't get on the same page, How are they going to get on the same page with the Players Union? And they are supposed to meet tomorrow in person in Florida where Major League Baseball will submit an offer for the first time this month. Where is the urgency, Rob Manfred? Yesterday was the first time he had spoken publicly since December. He talks about the urgency of wanting to get the game back on the field. Well, actions speak louder than words, And he hasn't done much of anything to move this process forward since the lockout began on December 2nd. So he had a lot of spin yesterday and a lot of it didn't add up. And maybe the most honest person or one of the most honest people when it comes to transparency of this season starting on time was Clayton Kershaw on Dan Patrick's show earlier this week.
2: I just listened to Walker dealer unfortunately. Walker is our player <laughs> rep, so uh, he uh, he's kind of in all the meetings and kind of doing the stuff, and I've kind of been that guy in the past. You know, 2011, 2016, when they were going through the labor agreements, I was kind of the guy for the Dodgers, and I've kind of passed the baton. So now I'm pretty pretty removed, honestly, from the situation and get updates, but as far as the day-to-day, I am not involved this, this time at all. But you don't know
0: what the future, the immediate future is, but how does this affect how you prepare for this upcoming season?
2: Yeah, I mean, we have to continue to prepare like we're going to play, you know, and um, at this point, I mean, it's February 9th. Like, there's no way we're going to be in spring training in a week. Um, But I hope we're in spring training soon, you know, so we get the season started on time because ultimately that's the goal. So I'm continuing to prepare like we're going to start on time. Um, but each day just seems like we're getting further and further from that.
1: No doubt. And the next 18 days are critical to getting a deal done if there's any chance that opening day will happen on schedule. And Kurt Schilling weighed in yesterday after Manfred's press conference. And I feel like he was very realistic. No matter how you feel about Schilling, He's been through this before in 94 and 95, and he said, quote, to be clear, there's absolutely no deal on the table today. That means you're talking one to two weeks if they agreed tomorrow to terms. That's with zero snacks. There is zero chance the season starts on time. They are so far apart stoppage until May, June, I expect. So Kurt Schilling weighing in and he was part of the players negotiating committee back in 94 and 95 and after all that so i guess he has a better perspective and sense on this but let's face it Kurt Schilling is not in the negotiating room, so he and everybody else outside of that room can speculate, but nobody knows. 866-987-2570 is the phone number. When we continue on Dodger Talk, we will get into Trevor Bauer at 630. I go back and forth on how to rationalize him pitching for the Dodgers again, but curious what Dodger fans feel after... The DA will not press charges. 866-987-2570. But next, we will hear from Rich Hill. He had some strong words about Rob Manfred on Dodger Talk the last time we were together. So we'll share that with you again, right here on AM 570 LA Sports, your home for Super Bowl 56.
0: This is off-season Dodger Talk. Call 866-987-2578. And now your host for Off-Season Dodger Talk, David Bassett.
1: It is Super Bowl weekend. Super Bowl 56 will be heard right here on AM570 LA Sports. Our coverage begins at 11 a.m. rams bengals kickoff at 3.30 right here on your home for Super Bowl 56 am 570 la sports coming up in about 10 minutes you will hear from trevor bauer and la district attorney george gascon but i promised we would share the strong words from former dodger now back with the red sox rich hill when he appeared on our show the last time we were together and here's what rich had to say about the negotiations between the players and owners and then as only Rich Hill could do segued himself into some uh, strong and passionate words for the Commissioner of baseball
3: the biggest thing right now and and the biggest labor problem is tanking to be quite honest um, you know it, it we're not seeing the the best of the best uh, you know from from clubs and going out and and using the revenue that they have to go out and get get players uh, that should be out on the field and it's short it shortens Careers, you know, careers have been shortened by this, by tanking, because it's pushing guys out of the game. I mean, let's let's put it this way: MLB locked out the players. Uh, they didn't, you know, make a proposal for forty-five days. Now they refuse to counter the PA's last proposal, and and they're looking to engage a federal mediator. I mean, you got to ask why? Why are they doing this? Because it's an effort to get public pressure, you know, on the on the players' association? Uh, to agree to a CBA that's similar to the one that already exists, you know, and I mean, it's just it, it's it's the only the only thing in that CBA right now that is beneficial uh, for the players is nothing. It's beneficial for Major League Baseball, and that's where we stand right now. And I don't I don't I look at it as something. It's like when people are out there and they're everybody wants to you know have maybe more than uh, what they deserve. I, I just like using the, you know, maybe not more than what, you know, in our, in our, in our minds, we might go somewhere else and think, oh, well, I, I think I'm worth X, but in reality you're worth, you know, whatever, why? But you should get what you deserve. You shouldn't get, you know, something over that or anything under that. You should get what you deserve and, and your hard work and your effort that you put in should get rewarded. And we're not, you know, we're definitely going in the wrong direction uh, with that for uh, the players, and I think that's what we're seeing from MLB right now. And I think that there are a lot of things on the table that have been proposed by the Players Association that are very, uh, if you want to say, moderate. There's no crazy asks in there uh, that I've seen. So I think that you know, for for Major League Baseball to go out there and say that they want to get a federal mediator is is you know ridiculous and. Quite frankly, I've said it before. I just, uh, you know, I don't, I don't see how Manfred has done anything good for the game. Can can, can we point to one thing that he has done that has been a positive or for the game of baseball? Because um, I, I really nothing jumps out at me. It doesn't jump out. It. I don't know if it jumps out to you, but nothing really jumps out.
1: No, nothing jumps out to me except uh, here in Los Angeles, everybody remembers him calling the World Series trophy a piece of metal.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, along with that, along with cutting the draft, along with cutting minor league teams, uh, along with uh, sucking uh, the life out of, you know, the health of the game, uh, that is something that is is something to me that's very, very uh, upsetting because, you know, you have guys that might go – Get drafted later in late rounds, have the opportunity uh, to play professionally, and have a chance to get to the big league level. Now, when you get that chance, you have the opportunity to possibly be around obviously better players, and and the more you get to stay around, uh, you know, spring trainings, you get to go to major league spring training. You're around great coaches, you're around great players, you get to learn a lot from, uh, you know, that kind of uh, series of events in your career. Now, let's say it doesn't come to fruition that you get to the big leagues and you get to, you know, play and have a career there. But what you do learn in your experience, you can take back to your community, to your town, to your city, and teach the game of baseball the right way. Uh, you know, and that that right there is, you know, the health of the game. When you talk about the health of the game, you see, you know, where guys come in, they play. They play in A ball. They play in Double A. They might get to Triple A, and they want to stay in the game. They become coaches. They become front office uh, people. Um, you know, but they continue to keep the game uh, alive and they keep the game healthy. And this is something that by cutting the draft, and I understand, I get, I get like, well, we're really narrowing down the talent pool and we're really getting the best of the best. But guys don't develop. Uh, the same as every you know everybody doesn't develop the same not everybody gets to the big leagues at 21 some guys come around when they're 27 28 29 i mean there's been plenty of examples of that in la um and all throughout baseball but if we continue to 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 do this and cut off uh, major lifelines to the game it's only going to suffer and we're not going to see it in the near future but we are going to see it 10, 15 years from now. And everybody's going so, well, what happened with baseball? What happened? And, and we're going to point back to this commissioner and where we are right now and how this has been completely fumbled. Um, and it, it's upsetting because, you know, that's, that's what I want to see is the game continue to you know, move in the right direction, flourish, everybody enjoy baseball, uh, have fun going to the game as a fan, being able to, you know, teach the kids the game the right way and and continue to see it grow, you know, in in a healthy manner.
1: Tell us how you really feel, Rich Hill. Yeah, that was Rich last Friday night on this show and certainly, you know, the reason why I had Rich on is because he's been around, he's been around players that were part of the 94-95 lockout. He's been obviously part of the union for a very long time and has seen the direction of the game. And he's intelligent, well-spoken, and uh, definitely can express himself in a very passionate way. I wasn't expecting him to go down that road with Rob Manfred, but um, kudos to him for being very candid with the way he feels about the whole situation and the leadership from Major League Baseball. And quite honestly, if you want to be fair, I don't think Tony Clark has done a great job being a leader for the Players Association, and that's why they hired a real negotiating lawyer to be ready for this time, for this collective bargaining negotiations. They hired this guy a couple of years ago because they weren't happy with the direction of their leadership with Tony Clark. So um, I would say both sides really doesn't have great leadership, but certainly Rob Manfred is the steward of the game, and he needs to be more visible. He needs to be out there more. This was only the second time since the lockout started that he was out there uh, giving a statement, a status of where things are, and taking questions Uh, He needs to be more out there and needs to take more accountability. 866-987-2570. Now, as far as the negotiations and Rob Manfred and what he said and what the reality of what's going on in that negotiating room, those are two separate things from what I'm being told. Uh, I've talked to a few different people, part of the players union, which means players, uh, non-Dodgers, and the the. What I'm getting back over the last 24 hours is that the players are ready to make a fair, mutually beneficial deal where everyone wins. And that is a possible scenario. But the way the players feel is that Rob Manfred doesn't look at it like that. He's trying to win the deal. He's trying to... Uh, Kill the Players Association, in some of their words, as he has done in three of the previous collective bargaining agreements. And he's not, at this point, looking to find a mutually inclusive and beneficial deal as it stands. Now, let's see where it goes tomorrow when Major League Baseball sits across the table from the players union and see what they propose and where it goes from there. And the blow by blow stuff that gets out there publicly, you know, negotiations like this where the players want change and the players and the owners are not used to that over the last three collective bargaining deals there's going to be a lot of downs and there's going to be ups that's just the nature of these negotiations so for anybody to panic when they see some negative news or get overly optimistic when they see some positive news it's it's not beneficial for The fans for you because on one side it gets your hopes really high on the other hand it gets you really bummed out when you hear some of the things that come out after a press conference like yesterday and former Dodger Alex Wood has been one of the more outspoken players on Twitter yesterday after the Manfred press conference he said quote to be clear Manfred slash MLB want stricter penalties under the collective bargaining tax All the CBT does is suppress spending and encourage tanking, and that's something the players are trying to uh, discourage. He he goes on to say, aren't fans tired of this? Don't you want to see all teams actually trying to win each year? The CBT should be abolished, not enhanced. And I agree. I, I, I completely agree. Why should the players have to police the owner's spending? They should be able to control themselves. Why do the players have to uh, be the ones to police them? They should be able, whatever they want to spend, they should spend. Whatever they don't want to spend to a certain degree, they shouldn't spend. But I do believe that if there is going to be revenue sharing that continues from big market teams to small market teams, then... There should be, the owners themselves should hold the Pirates, the Diamondbacks, the A's accountable and say, what are you doing with the money we're handing over to you for free? I think that makes a lot of sense. 866-987-2570 is the phone number. I feel the court of public opinion this time around is more on the player side and a little bit more perspective on what they're trying to achieve, and that's just... Uh, having more parity, which is the spirit of revenue sharing that Bud Selig fought for during the 94-95 and lockout. I don't feel like that spirit is being held by teams like the Indians who have a payroll currently of what is it right now. As the lockout started, the Indians' or Guardians' payroll right now is at $29 million, the Orioles, $29 million, the Pirates, $34 million. That's not for one player. That's their entire 40-man roster. Are you kidding me? 866-987-2570. When we come back, we'll get into Trevor Bauer. Light up those lines. We got two lines open on where you stand on the lockout and where you stand on Trevor Bauer and where he may end up next year. In a Dodger uniform, possibly suspended, possibly in somebody else's uniform. 866-987-2570. You'll hear from Bauer and L.A. District Attorney George Gascon next on Dodger Talk right here on AM 570 L.A. Sports.
0: Lockout be damned. This is off-season Dodger Talk. Here's David Vasse.
1: We have Dodger Talk for you until the top of the hour, 866-987-2570. We're on an hour earlier tonight because Petros and Matt had to make way for Tim Conway Jr. Sharing the same spot out there at 3rd Street Promenade, the big NFL experience out there. And uh, yeah, technical. technically, you can only have one show using the same uh, technical box out there. So Uh, That's why we're on an hour earlier tonight. We'll be back with you next week on Wednesday and Friday at 7 o'clock. So, If the Rams win, we'll see uh, when and where the parade would be. I wish they would do it maybe in the marina. I mean, let's duplicate Brady throwing the trophy, you know, on the bay out there in Florida, in Tampa. So why don't we get the boats going uh, on the Pacific Ocean out here? So we'll see what happens this weekend, but I'm looking for a blowout win by the Rams. It's not even going to be close, not even interesting, but... You will hear every single snap right here on your home for Super Bowl 56 on Sunday, AM 570 LA Sports. Our pregame coverage begins at 11 AM. 866-987-2570. You know, I want to get to Trevor Bauer because we haven't been on the air since. Uh, the LA District Attorney, George Gascon's office, decided they won't fa- uh, won't have him face criminal charges for sexual assault now this was a five-month review slash investigation and they decided you know what they're not going to press charges and charge him for sexual assault now he still is on the restricted list as far as major league baseball goes and he also uh, cannot be suspended during the lockout i would imagine major league baseball would try to help out the Dodgers and Bauer by finding uh, uh, some solution to this shortly after the lockout is lifted because the Dodgers need to know how much payroll flexibility they'll have because they owe Trevor Bauer $40 million this season. That's right, he's under contract for $40 million. So if he doesn't get suspended at all and the Dodgers don't want him to pitch for them again, They're still on the hook for $40 million, and Fangraphs projects the Dodgers' payroll as of now without adding any free agents with Bauer's $40 million salary at $227 million. And that goes back to the luxury tax. If the luxury tax is still in play, then the Dodgers are going to face a lot of penalties if they wanted to add a player like Freddie Freeman. And that $227 million doesn't even include Clayton Kershaw. You would imagine he would cost at least $20 million to come back. So the Dodger payroll will be high if they have to pay Trevor Bauer $40 million. Now, uh, Mookie Mookie Betts said it best in spring training last year. When the Dodgers signed Bauer and he was in spring training, he said it best. They know who he is, but if he pitches well... You know, that's all they care about. And basically, when you signed Trevor Bauer, that was the message. You only care about him helping you win and helping your rotation. And he did really well before he was placed on the restricted list, eight and five with an ERA of 259 and 17 starts. Now, the question is, (laughs) what is Major League Baseball going to do? And what are the Dodgers going to do? Um, Like I said, (laughs) He has been, I guess, absolved criminally of any wrongdoing, and he took to his YouTube channel to respond to some of the things that he wasn't able to respond to over the course of the last five months. This is just a small portion of Bauer's YouTube message titled, The Truth. Uh, In evaluating my life over the recent months, uh, it's clear that I've made some poor choices particularly in regards to the people that I've chosen to associate with. But I am not the person that this woman, her lawyers, and certain members of the media have painted me to be. Um, Allegations like this are extremely serious and uh, they should be thoroughly investigated, as has happened in this matter. However, it's extremely alarming to watch how quickly and willingly and knowingly certain members of the media have taken one side of a story and tried to convict me in the court of public opinion without having or choosing to report anywhere close to all of the facts and that was like i said a portion of a 7 or 8, million, eight minute uh video that he posted after the L.A. District Attorney decided not to have him face criminal charges for sexual assault. Now, our very own Steve Gregory from our sister station, AM640KFI, had a chance to get a statement from the L.A. District Attorney, George Gascone, and this was his reasoning on why they did not go ahead with criminal charges against Bauer.
4: Yeah, YOU KNOW LOOK I MEAN WE TAKE SEXUAL ASSAULT OBVIOUSLY VERY SERIOUSLY ANY ALLEGATIONS OF THIS WE LOOKED AT THIS CASE VERY VERY CLOSELY WE INVESTIGATED IT THOROUGHLY Uh, WE LOOKED AT THE DENIAL OF A CIVIL RESTRAINING ORDER Uh, WE LOOKED AT STATEMENTS WE LOOKED AT PHYSICAL EVIDENCE AND YOU KNOW WE CAME TO THE CONCLUSION THAT WE WOULD NEVER BE ABLE TO MEET OUR OUR STANDARD OF PROOF WHICH IS BEYOND A REASONABLE DOUBT YOU KNOW IN THE CASE OF THE CIVIL RESTRAINING ORDER Standard is very low. It's, it's what we call a preponderance of the evidence. Was more likely than not, and even that standard, under that standard, any relief was denied. Is is is, uh, I would say extremely unlikely that we could get that we could actually uh, achieve a, a criminal prosecution in this case, and that is the reason why we came to the conclusion uh, that we would not move forward. But but again, this is something that it was taken very seriously. It was a lot of work that was done, and, and, and the conclusion is what it is. There
1: you go. And that brings us to whether or not he should pitch again for the Dodgers. And I'm not sure what Major League Baseball is going to do and what their investigation found, but there can be an argument made that if you care about winning only, then, yeah, Trevor Bauer should pitch for the Dodgers again. But the Dodgers have a long history of having a higher standard of character than other teams in baseball, and that is where the gray area is. But when the Dodgers signed Trevor Bauer, obviously they they didn't expect something like this to come up, and obviously I don't think he did either. But uh, what I've maintained throughout the baseball season, he uh, took accountability for. He made bad decisions that put his team in a bad spot for the second half of the year. So I never, uh, I never found him guilty uh, when all these things came out. That's not my lane. My lane is baseball, and all I know baseball-wise is, as a player, you have to make the right choices off the field with who you associate with and what you do that doesn't affect your teammates and how you guys go about winning. And Trevor Bauer, as he said in his YouTube video, He made a bad choice of associating with the wrong person, and it cost the Dodgers. They could have used him in the NLCS, don't you think? They could have used him in the NLDS, don't you think? Hard to see how his teammates would reconcile him leaving them in the lurch. We'll see what happens, and we'll dive deeper into it next week. Our next show is Wednesday night at 7 o'clock right here on AM570 LA Sports. In case you missed any of the show, you can find it on the iHeartRadio app or at am570lasports.com. Thanks to Ronnie Fascio for his help. Thanks to you for listening. And like I said, Super Bowl 56 will be heard right here on AM570 LA Sports. Our coverage begins at 11 a.m. Rams, Bengals, expect it to be Rams' house in a blowout on Sunday. See ya. AM570 LA Sports. There's
4: only